Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. Lord Baelish. Peter, please. Are you heading to listen to Binge Mode? I'm going to the Irie to see your Aunt Lysa and the Bail. She's sensitive, so I feel I feel compelled to tell you that Binge Mode features adult content. Good, good. Very graphic at times. Good. I know how she is around Moon Doors, so wanted to warn you just in case. And now, here's Binge Mode. Gods love their stupid jokes, don't they? Which joke is that? You're a Prince of Dawn, a legendary fighter. A brilliant man feared throughout Westeros. But you could not save your sister. I'm a Lannister. Queen for 19 years, daughter of the most powerful man alive. But I could not save my son. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. To binge mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished sending his brand new present sailing straight through the moon door. I brought you a gift. (laughs) It's Ringer staff writer and your maester, Jason Concepcion. Mommy, look what Peter brought me. Jason? Yes. Pull up your earbuds. Why? This podcast is a memorable shade. <laughs> we are rewatching all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones. We're deep diving one episode at a time. Spoiler warning for all of you, as always, we will be going deep on details from the show and the books yeah. from this episode and this season and beyond. So know your strengths and use them wisely because it's time to break down season four, episode five, first of his name. Jason? Yes. Joffrey would have been our nightmare. It's true. But thankfully, he's out of our lives. So let's take a beat here to offer a brief refresher on who is actually still in our lives and on what actually happened in this fifth installment by taking a quick trip down our very own King's Road. In King's Landing, Tommen, first of his name, is proclaimed king in the throne room. He shares a smile with Marjorie. The realm has had three kings in nearly three years. It's a mark Marjorie needs to match. Problem. Cersei Lannister, the Queen Regent, Tommen's mother. Old Cersei isn't about to relinquish her grip on power so easily. Or is she? She seems to offer a verbal peace treaty of sorts with Marjorie, who acidly rebuffs her with, I won't even know what to call you. Sister or mother? (laughs) Cersei later meets with Tywin. She agrees to marry Loras within a fortnight of Tommen and Marjorie's nuptials. Lord Tywin admits that the gold mines of the Westlands are tapped, and the crown is deep in debt to the Iron Bank of Bravos. In Marine in Slaver's Bay, meanwhile, tidings of Joffrey's death have finally reached Danny. She is consolidating her hold on the city of Marine, if not over her own counselors. Mm-hmm. Dario flaunts his insolence. Yes. Heard you like ships. His style of flirtation is to take the Marinese Navy without being expressly ordered to do so. Danny has an army. Now she has ships. However, spoiler alert. Yeah. It is still not enough to take Westeros, as Jorah will remind her. Meanwhile, news of another sort 
Yunkai and Astapor have thrown off the Targaryen yoke. War threatens, just not the one that Danny should really be focused on fighting. In the Eyrie. <laughs> in the Eyrie, seat of house, Aaron in the Vale. Littlefinger and Sansa walk into the Vale via the bloody gate. He's concerned she might be recognized because of her memorable shade of hair. Sansa's first hint that she'll need to pretend to be someone else. Elaine, Peter's niece that he just suddenly has custody of, I guess, like out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, Littlefinger receives a warm welcome in the Ari, both from Sweet Robin, who sees Littlefinger as a kind of father figure, and Lysa, who sees Littlefinger as her husband in all but name. Time to remedy that, she says. After all, did I not poison my husband, John, as you asked me to? Big reveal there, guys. Big reveal. Big reveal. Big reveal. Someone else is heading to the Vale. <laughs> the Hound and Arya. They're making their yeah. way. And the Hound is just trying to catch some Zs, but right. Arya keeps reciting names from her newly yeah. expanded list. Please welcome Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir. On the King's Road, heading north from the Crownlands, Brienne and her new squire, <laughs> Podrick, are headed to look for the Stark girls. Pod is an exceptionally poor horseman, as well as not too great at cooking dinner. Great in bed, though. Brienne not putting his full talents to use, I feel like. At Craster's Keep, beyond the wall, John's strike team arrives in the woods around the keep. Lock, scouting duty. Yeah. Inside, the bad times are rolling steadily on. Bran and the Reeds are tied up in the barn. Bran, you know, not unreasonably thinks that all is lost, but Jojen, Jojen is straight tripping. I don't know if he took mushrooms or what. He looks like absolute shit, but the dude is high. Nobody told him how many edibles he was allowed to pop. (laughs) His pupils are like moon door size. (laughs) (laughs) And he sees not only his own hand on fire, but also a vision of great Weirwood tree on top of a hill. Bran, you must make it to this tree. You must reach the Three-Eyed Raven. John plans to attack at sundown. Doesn't know, of course, that Bran and co. are there. Locke doing his best to keep that part secret. He might want to avoid the hut. Why? There are some hounds in there. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) The attack begins. Locke slips away to the barn to kidnap Bran, who, quick study here. Basically, a very very initial moment of like, oh, hey, a rescue, and then he can just sense something is off here. What to do? Well, Jojen and Bran meet eyes. Instant communication, Bran knows. He wargs into Hodor, and it I don't, snapping Locke's neck isn't even really the proper description. He, like, rips... (laughs) It's, His collarbone yeah. and neck bone and spine. It's the full like upper neck slash clavicle area gets distended. Vargo Hode only lost an ear. Right. Yeah, this is <laughs> much worse. Bran and the twins then continue on their journey. Tough decision for Bran, but Jojen puts it to him. You want to go meet up with your brother or do you want to go find the Three-Eyed Raven? Bran commits fully to going further north. John, meanwhile, fights Carl one-on-one. If not for the intervention of one of Craster's wives, he might not have made it out of that. But he does, and he learns a lesson beyond price. Honor is for throne rooms and oaths. When you fight, fight dirty. Mel? Yeah? Lysa's done waiting. Septon is here. 
But plenty of other characters don't know how to do anything but wait. And that gets us to this episode's big idea. So let's cut right to the core of it by sticking it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is not being ready. Whether it's not being ready to rule, ready to let go, or ready to die, resistance pulses like Peter's stick <laughs> through this episode. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with a not ready to rule group. Yeah, Tommen and and Danny. Right. So Tommen's coronation was Sir Pounce invited. That's that's one of my big questions. But. Marjorie and Cersei, they're having a chat, right? Yep. One of the things that's great about the sister line that yeah. you referenced earlier in the King's Road is, of course, one of Cersei's famous earlier lines to Marjorie was, call me sister again, <laughs> right. right? And yet in this in this moment, she kind of has to just sit right. there and take it, which is great. But Marjorie is observing Tommen and she says, he sits the throne like he was born to it. And Cersei says, yes, he wasn't though, was he, right? right. This is an important reminder for the audience. Tommen was not groomed to rule, just like Ned was not groomed to be the Lord of Winterfell, right? When you have an older brother, it changes your life. It changes the way that you're raised, the way you think, the way you're programmed, what you study, what you think is important, how you think. Tommen sort of by definition is not ready to rule because he was never supposed to rule. But he does have the right disposition to adapt, right? He is, he has said, you know, that he's not, he's not cruel. So like, pounce. Yeah. So pounce. Just a loves, loves an animal. And he keeps smiling at Marjorie yeah. during his coronation. It's very cute. Marjorie knows that he's a good boy. Cersei knows this. Not so for Joffrey, right? Cersei yeah. says one of the more surprising moments to Marjorie, he would have been your nightmare. This is a very candid assessment of her own monstrous yep. offspring. But what does she say about Tommen? Who was the last decent king, I wonder? He could be the first man in 50 years to sit that throne who actually deserves it. Who is ready, though? Who Oof. is ready? Unquestionably, Marjorie Tyrell is ready. She has been groomed for this for a long time by the best. Mm-hmm. Lady Olena Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns, has been uh, gearing her up to be the queen of the whole realm for her whole life. Um, Got to fake it, though. Yeah. So when when she's having that really interesting conversation with Cersei, first of all, Cersei tries to wrong foot her in a way by being magnanimous, by seeming like she's she's ready. She's ready to acknowledge Marjorie as her equal and, and in fact, as her greater. Right. As her ruler. And, and it's... Uh, and also, and it's, like, it's her idea. Right. Maybe this hasn't occurred to you. Right. And not actually like the law and stuff, but, um, and it's definitely a strange, it's a strange vibe and you can, and Marjorie also, she senses it. Cersei says to Marjorie, you're still interested in being queen, I take it. And Marjorie playing it off, but not too hard. Oh, after all that's happened, it sounds strange, I know, but I haven't even given any thought to what comes next. (laughs) She was just in Tommen's bed. (laughs) Talking about, uh, did you know that in most arranged marriages, the couple never meets, you know, and this is our little secret. You'll promise you won't tell anyone, you know, like, listen, Marjorie is a player. And the interesting thing about this conversation is Marjorie is a player and she look how confident she is going toe to toe with Cersei and also how confident she is in um, not exactly hiding 
how confident she is. She wants Cersei to know that she knows. You know, she's she'll say, oh, I haven't even given any thought. She understands also that Cersei doesn't believe that in any kind of way. Danny, meanwhile, receives news of Joffrey's death. What should she do now? Right. She's got an army. Pretty good army. Not a great army, but a pretty good army. She's got ships. She's got three dragons that are like I'd maybe the size of like a, a of a economy car. <laughs> Is that enough to take Westeros? Barristan, listen, when you ask the older guy, he's always going to say, let's just do this. I don't have much time left, but he right. thinks it's enough. Jorah, meanwhile, says, we're fighting to make you queen of Westeros, not King's Landing. 10,000 men can't conquer Westeros, she says. And she gets other troubling news. Remember, she had previously marched on Astapur and Yunkai, where she had acquired her Unsullied and, and met up with the Second Sons. Um, she had put in a, kind of a governing body there to rule in her stead. Uh, and those were quickly overthrown, as one would expect. Now, all of a sudden you're here in Marine with this, uh, you've got this slave population that really supports you, but you've also got this like vast and very wealthy population of noble houses of whom you've just murdered uh, many of their members. So you've got enemies within and you've got enemies right proximate to you who are looking to wage war. Surely stuff is falling apart. She says, how can I rule seven kingdoms if I can't control Slaver's Bay? Why should anyone trust me? Why should anyone follow me? You're a Targaryen. You're the mother of dragons, they argue. I need to be more than that. I would not let those I have freed slide back in the chains. I will not sail for Westeros. What then? I will do what queens do. I will rule. Another one of those classic Danny moments. And it's, you know, it's strange because she's saying, I'm ready to rule here, but I'm also not ready to go home. Right. So essentially, Marine is going to act as our little ruler training wheel set. She's for the next. She's staying in AAA. That's it. You got to like, <laughs> let me get my, you know, let me get my weight up. Got to get my work pitch on my count swing, up. Right. Like, get work on my mechanics. <laughs> and then when I'm ready for major league speed. Mm-hmm. We'll take the ships over. It's a fascinating bit of dissonance because to commit yeah. to staying in that city, right? Danny's not oblivious to what her presence there represents, right. in part because she's going to start hearing it from the actual people who live there. Right. Tradition, culture, respect our way of life. Right. Is she ready to embrace that while she's saying she wants to try to be, right? If I can't finish what I started here, if I can't make sure that this wasn't all in vain, that I didn't just conquer and sack these cities, leave them in a state of uproar, and then ultimately have that uproar lead to another civil war, right? Well, what was the point of any of it, and how can I possibly claim to be ready to go home? But— in acknowledging the fact that she is clearly not ready to fully commit to an assault on Westeros, it's a weird way of like belittling the place where she's choosing to spend her time yeah. in a way that kind of, it it dooms her without her even realizing right. it. Because if that's not a place that you need to be a fully <laughs> capable ruler, right. why are you there? <clears throat> I mean, let's listen. Slaver's Bay is a place that is built on the economy of slavery. It has been so for thousands of years. The idea that Danny, by staying there an extra two, three years, whatever it's going to take, to it, that's somehow going to bring stability to this region is clearly false. You know, it would take generations of similar-minded rule in order to 
expunged the the tradition of human slavery there. Why not just leave? Why not? You know, it's, it seems like to me, best idea is okay. We made our point. I'm I'm pretty good at taking cities. Let's split. Let's get out of here. Boy King. Yeah. Not one with a legitimate claim to right? the throne in everyone's eyes. And it's and they're weaker than she even knows because they're broke. Hashtag they broke. Who's not yet ready to let go? A lot of people in this world, actually. Cersei comes to mind. She goes to meet Tywin after the wedding ceremony. And she seems as amenable as she's ever been, ever, about her coming nuptials with Loras. She sets a date. Which is suspicious, by the way. I mean, the whole thing is suspicious. Her whole conversation with Marjorie was suspicious. Yeah, and coming to Tywin of her own volition and being like... Two weeks, sure, why not? You know, um that entire exchange is so bizarre, by the way. Like how they need to figure out how long is an appropriate time to wait. Well, Tom has got to be able to mourn his brother right. and Marjorie has to mourn her husband. What's what's the right a fortnight? A fortnight? Yeah, sure. That seems reasonable. <laughs> I know. Does it? I know. Your son just and the king just died? Sure. And your wedding to Loras? She says, shortly after Tommins. And then Cersei. An interesting tactic here. She par- she almost parrots Tywin's words back to him. Lannister legacy is the only thing that matters. You started wars to protect this family. You turned your back on Jaime for refusing to contribute to its future. What does Tyrion deserve for lighting that future on fire? Ah, now she reveals her hand. She's here to make sure that, no matter what, Tyrion Lannister dies at the end of this trial. He must be executed. That's one of the things that she's here to do. And she has another notable interaction, this time with Oberyn, who, (laughs) I love this, what are you doing? I'm just, you know, writing a poem. And they kind of bond touchingly about their families and their various losses that they have had uh, and the various things they have to do for their various regions. Um, Cersei says, the gods love their jokes, don't they? And Oberyn says, which joke is that? She says, you're a Prince of Dorne, a legendary fighter, a brilliant man, feared throughout Westeros, but you could not save your sister. And I'm a Lannister, queen for 19 years, daughter of the most powerful man alive, but I could not save my son. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? And Oberyn says, we can avenge them. And Cersei agrees, yes, we can avenge them. And then this part is, the acting here is like fantastic. When the the topic of Myrcella, who we you must remember, um, was sent to Dorne to ward as a way of, as the initial olive branch to start the process of, of bringing Dorne back into the realm, one. And two, also because uh, King's Landing was under threat of siege and it was just a good idea to get um, as many of the Lannister family out of the city, non-important personnel, just get them out of there just in case, you know, uh, a vast sack and a lot of murder was going to go on. So the, the topic of Marcella comes up and Cersei says, Oberyn says that the last time he saw Marcella, she was swimming in the water gardens with the sun playing in her hair. And Cersei says, I want to believe that. I want to believe she's happy. And Oberyn, very sincere. You have my word. We don't hurt little girls in Dorne. And then Cersei with a hammer line everywhere in the world, they hurt little girls. Neither of them can let go of their biases or genders or fears. And by the way, Cersei, probably right. You know what I mean? Like she is, she just cut through with a with an actual truth. Everywhere in the world, the weakest are going to be taken advantage of. Dorne, while much better on a, on a relative scale than the rest of Westeros, is still a place ruled by men with swords, mostly. 
you know, we hear Cersei bring this this up with Tywin many times throughout the show's run. Like, yeah. if I were your son, right? X Y Z yada yada yada. Right? She's. I, I should be the one yeah. wearing the armor. I mean, I don't know if we would always identify her as one of the show's like chief feminists, right? But she's not. She's interested in. Pa- she just doesn't understand why she, in particular. Right. And a lot of that is, is Can't because power. Right. The fact that she is a twin right. is obviously part of that. Yeah. The other half of her who just happens to be male is given opportunities that she isn't. Right. And so what will she do? She will take them for herself. Yeah. Speaking of little girls, Arya, definitely not one who's, no. who's ready no, to no, let no, no, go. No, no, no. Right. She is nursing. The list is expanding. It is not getting shorter. Nursing <laughs> these grudges. And she's reciting the list. Right. And the hound says, would you shut up? <laughs> she explains, I can't sleep until I say the names. The names of every fucking person in Westeros. <laughs> Only the ones I'm going to kill, she explains, right? And he's amused by this. Yeah, he, he tells is. her that he sees a lot of himself. There's a grudging respect sure. there. He oh, really did. Like, there's a. He, when she says, I'm going to kill people, he believes it. Oh, of course. 100% believes it. I mean, remember when she killed the 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 fray dudes yeah. by the fire after after the Red Wedding? And she's like, where'd you get the knife? You know, and just <laughs> from you. Yeah. And he basically, you know, they have a few of these moments where he's essentially like, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to, yeah, but, but just, it's just a heads up. Right. Um, and he says to her, hates as good a thing as any to keep a person going yep. better than most. Well, that's not going to lead to a change in her thought process no, or outlook. No, no, no. It's only going to reinforce it. They talk about his brother for a bit, right? And and then he gives her he gives her permission right. basically to continue, yes. right? Go on. Get it over with the list of doomed names. And this is a chilling moment. Yeah. She says, "I'm almost done." Only one name left. This is so good. And she rolls over. Yeah. Gives him her back. He says, go on. And then she just basically stares into our souls and whispers, the hound. The thing I love about this is right before that, when she had mentioned Gregor, Sir Gregor, the hound's brother, he had kind of uh, offered an olive branch in a sense there. Like, oh, uh, maybe we could both go after him. Essentially, you know, basically saying, uh, you know, here's an opportunity. Maybe, you know, hopefully one day we get the opportunity to both uh, kill my brother. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then Arya is basically like, yeah, I'm going to kill you, too. She's <laughs> it was chilling, man. She is uh, really locked in here, really locked in. Yeah. And, you know, so is Pod because he's really struggling here. <laughs> Him. <laughs> This is, he's been a squire before, but not in this way, you know? I didn't realize he was so shitty at, at riding a horse. Well, it's a, it's a lot, there's high comedy in these interactions. Yes. It's also, it ends up actually being very sweet, it right? Does. But initially he's, he can't ride the horse properly. He's like <laughs> yeah, the, galloping about like an idiot. And he doesn't know how to cook, right? He puts the rabbit on the spit with the, the fur still on. <laughs> right. so it's obviously catches fire instead of cooking properly. Brian's like, what did you actually do for right. Lord Tyrion, right? And yeah. he's like, mostly I poured wine, right. which is true. But they get to this moment where he reveals that he killed a king's guard. And she's like, you know, she's how? surprised. She this. initially had refused to let him help with her armor, right? And she's trying to get these straps off as he's explaining this. Pushed with his spear through the back of his head. And I think in that moment, we we, we see that she sees the kind of loyalty that he yeah. has, right? And in, you know, earlier in their conversation, when he's trying to convince her that he's worth her time and notice, basically. Right. Like, 
you know, all knights have squires, my lady. And she says, I'm not a knight. He says, I swore an oath, my lady. Now, if anyone on fucking yeah. earth should respect that, it's Brienne, right. right? Literally just named her sword Oathkeeper. Right. I'm releasing you from that oath, she says. What do you think will happen if you leave? Love this response so much. They'll say I wasn't a very good squire. Pod is so sweet. That is so innocent and beautiful, but it also comes from a place of sincere commitment. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to be needed and useful. It's really sweet. Now let's go to the Irie. (laughs) (laughs) Who's not ready in the Irie in the Veil? Who's not ready to stop being weird creeps? Littlefinger and Lysa. Walking to the veil, Littlefinger tells Sansa, Lysa, pull up your hood. <laughs> then he like grabs, grabs her, like, her braid. Like rolls, yeah, rolls the, it, like, rolls ends it of bet- her hair between the fingers. tips of his fingers to feel the, you know, feel the follicles. Feel the fabric. Yeah. A memorable shade. Uh, <laughs> and then Sansa's like, Yeah, okay, but you know, how are they gonna know who I am? Listen, Sansa Stark uh was is a suspect in the king's murder and she has flaming red hair and she disappeared. People are going to talk. And he says, <laughs> you know what kind of story poor boys enjoy the most? <laughs> the ones about rich girls they'll never meet. So great. And, you know, uh, it's voice acting side. Littlefinger is all about being prepared, right. being ready, preparing the ground for the moment when he can take ultimate power. And he tells her, he basically lays out his MO, know your strengths, use them wisely, and one man can be worth 10,000. He's talking about um, the Lords of the Vale and the way the Eyrie is set up with a an approach that can only fit three men abreast. It, it goes up a, you know, up a mountainside towards a fort, and then you have to pass through another fort, and then you finally get to the Irie, you know, he's just talking about using the lay of the land, in this case, you know, the the political lay of the land to your advantage. Lysa, though, she's ready. Yeah, she is. <laughs> ready for a lot of things. Uh, Lysa's ready. Peter's there for like 15 seconds. And she's like, let's get married tonight, Peter. Ought we not inform the <laughs> lords of the Vale about the ceremony? <laughs> no. <laughs> They, then, they got to save the date. If they're yeah, not here, it's man. their fault. And then she like, she's like, you know, we got married. Our wedding night was a long time ago. And then she just like strides uh, to the door, opens it, and here comes the septum comes <laughs> in. And the look on Peter's face is fucking He's priceless. tried so hard to just get any extra time. Because he's like, uh, let me bathe. <laughs> yeah, could I? Uh, I haven't eaten. Is, are you hungry? I'm starving. My blood sugar. <laughs> Uh, and she is just this is like a almost like a red wedding level trap like she's like oh peter's coming have the septon wait outside the fucking door he's got and and she tells him you know i'm warning you i'm going to scream when my husband makes love to me and boy howdy <laughs> listen the irie is a small castle not it's the smallest uh, of the of the major seats in the realm extremely small castle and boy does she fill it up Peter, swing that stick. Peter Baelish, who knew? One of the um, the great bits of exposition for the audience, but also for her sealing this, locking this oh in, God. is that right before she actually lets the septon in, right. she's like, uh, you know, remember how I killed my husband for you? That's right. I put, I put those drops in his wine. Remember how I wrote that letter to Cat for I you? Wrote, I wrote it to Cat. 
like you told me to. Meanwhile, isn't the septum outside like, oh, Wait, what, what now? What? <laughs> who, John, what now? Yeah, what, Poison, who, what now? What? Who? <laughs> the end of the game? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is also extremely ready to intimidate and terrify oh my God. Sansa, right? She never has anybody been thrown into such a mental and emotional spiral thanks to a crate of lemons, <laughs> right? Where did you get them from? Sansa? Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> right? Just little snapshots yeah. of the things that she says to Sansa, you know, Peter's risking his life to save you. The daughter of a woman who didn't love him because Sansa has that moment. Where she's like, right. he loved your family. Yeah. Right? He's like, <laughs> obviously about to say sister, referring hey. to, to Kat. Are you pregnant? I wasn't asking about Tyrion. What have you let Peter do with your body? And then she starts going on this. Squeezing about the hands, the, yeah. The, the brothel and yeah. the things he do makes you know, women do. It's like, do you, know, do you know what he does in the brothel? Don't what lie to me. Do? I know if you lie. She's deranged. Yeah. Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to Binge Mode. Not ready to die. Jojen Reed, he is clearly ill, looks like shit, and says to Bran, you mustn't let anything stop you, right? They already have stopped me. No. Right. You're not here. You're far from here. Mirror's like, what does that mean? And we get the Jojen cam, right? With Bran in front of the werewood, yeah. the vision that, that, that Jojen is seeing on the, the ayahuasca hill. kicks in. <gasps> on the hill, a great werewood tree. You've seen it too, right? And then skipping ahead a little bit, the, the, talking about the three-eyed raven. He's waiting for you. We have to find it. You have to make it. And Bran buys in. He says, we will, right? Yeah. Jojen, this isn't the end. Not for you, not yet, Mira, they ask. How will we know the end? And then he's look, Jojen's looking at his hand, which is on fire yeah. in, his, in his mind, in his eyes. And he says, you'll know. So he's not in great shape, but he's not quite ready to let go yet because he knows that he has to finish counseling Bran and helping Bran reach his goal, right? And then he's not done helping Mira either. A lot of the, our understanding of the reads so far has been Mira as Jojen's protector. Right. And this is a little bit of role reversal here where Carl comes in. He is about to sexually assault Mira. Yes. They hang her from a hook. They tie up her legs. It's extremely upsetting and violent. He talks about her curls again. And Jojen says, if you let my sister go, I can help you. And Carl's like, you can help me. I can. How are you going to do that? I have the sight. I can see things. Yeah. Things that haven't happened yet and Carl it's a fine says, thing hey, that's a fine thing have you seen what I'm going to do to your sister have you seen what they're going to do to your sister don't close your eyes and then what does Jojen yeah. say I saw you die tonight I saw your body burn I saw the snow fall and bury your bones and then right at that moment the Night's Watch yeah. attacks this is it's a horn, great it's moment really, incredibly really chilling incredibly moment. creepy but very cool all right, Jason, yes. whether you're asking about pounds or tons or ounces, the answer's the same. Zero. Whoa! That is apparently how much gold is left in the fame Lannister mines. Not good, guys! This is stunning. It's one of the things that Tywin reveals to Cersei and to us in this episode. Shocks her. Shocks us. How could this happen? What does it mean? Let's assemble the Conclave and head to the Citadel to learn everything we need to know 
about the Lannister gold mines and the ramifications of this reveal. It's often said that Tywin Lannister shits gold. This, strictly speaking, isn't true. That would really wreck your anus. <laughs> Perhaps the better illustration of House Lannister's <laughs> relationship with gold is that their seat, Castle Rock, began as an operational gold mine. The Westerlands, in general, is a place of hills. Hill is the region's bastard name. And often these hills are hollow and filled with caverns and tunnels, rich in metals and, of course, Gold. Some of these hills have hidden doorways in them, leading to a maze of tunnels. The Westerlands are a rich land, rich in mineable wealth, most of all. As so many of the notable houses of the Westerlands grew their strength from mining gold, mining silver. The Castamere's. Remember the Castamere's? Tywin Lannister surely mm. does because he wiped them the fuck out and made a song out of it. Basically, real short, Castamere was started as fortifications to protect an underground mine. And then gradually the castle just took, took its form underground. Castle Rock, unlike Castamere, above ground. It is, as the name suggests, a huge fucking rock <laughs> located on the coast of the Westerlands next to the Sunset Sea. It's topped by towers and crenellations and various fortifications. Uh, and it is three times higher, taller than the wall. Some say it looks like a lion in repose. Many people will say that at sunset, gazing at the rock. In the years before the arrival of the first men, animals, giants, you know, um, perhaps even the children of the forest made their homes in the sea-carved caverns at the base of the rock. And the first human-built structures on it were constructed by the Casterlies, who gave it the name Casterly Rock. Uh, they were once the most powerful house in the Westerlands in the Age of Heroes. They were a first men family. Now, how did the Lannisters get Castle Rock? There are several legends pertaining to how this happened. The fine details differ. There's uh, one about that's basically about seduction. There's another one that's like about making scary sounds in the night, blah, 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 blah. The overarching theme of these stories that is that Lan the Clever, the progenitor of House Lannister, swindled, conned, or otherwise tricked the Casterlies into vacating the rock and essentially handing it over to him. The Lannisters have owned the castle ever since. The interior of the rock is a series of winding halls and tunnels, which were originally mine shafts. Uh, Casterlies keep sits directly on top of a mine, quite useful for the ambitious house on the rise. Additionally, the lands proximate to the rock, including uh, the former aforementioned lands of the Rains, uh, the Golden Tooth and its attendant lands, ruled by House Lefford, and the Pendrick Hills, location uh, unknown, but probably under the direct control of the Lannisters, are, were, rich in deposits of gold and silver. This ready access to currency is the source of the Lannisters' traditional power. It meant the ability to lend money, to have other great houses in their debts, to fund the enemies of their enemies, etc., etc., etc. Question now is, what are the Lannisters without their gold? What indeed? What? What indeed? Beggars. Something. In need of the Tyrell Alliance. Yep. That's Badly in need. Sure. In need of the Dornish Alliance. Mal, wars swallow gold like a pit in the earth and the pointy end and Citadel swallowed many of the plot points in this episode. But there's always more to parse and celebrate, so let's head to the Sept to bathe in the light of the Seven by sharing seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode, lightning round style. Number one. We were talking about Jojen. 
having his weird visions, right? Yeah. And he's giving his pep talk right. as the sweat is pouring down took a his lot of, brow. Took a lot of Molly. Sort of like, <laughs> looks like the color of like this cottage cheese yeah. that like didn't go in the fridge soon enough. He's got a candy necklace around his neck. <laughs> and he says, Mira and I, even Hodor, we're only here to guide you. Even Hodor? Even this fucking guy. Guys, now that we've seen season six, tough. Where? What? What is? What is? Spoiler alert! What is Jojen literally saying? Yeah. If we break this down, he's saying you've got to get to this hill, to this tree. Hoder's here to help. Yeah. Now, what he didn't say was he's also going to be there to help you get out of it. Yep. This is emotional. Um, a lot of moon door foreshadowing here. You know, Peter gives Sweet Robin the gift of a little glass bird, a crystalline bird. I brought you a gift. And Peter just, uh, you know, Robin throws that thing out of the moon door <laughs> just to kind of like show how the moon door, look how it works. I'll throw something out of it. And then later, as Lysa's sex moans are filling the castle, uh, we get a little more foreshadowing when her final moan falls off as if she's falling from a great height. Ah, 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 ah. Love that that particular scene it, it, we see through Sansa's eyes. Like yeah, it's just, I know. She's we're like, watching Jesus. her not be able to sleep because of that. I know. You got to turn your turn your stereo up or something. Get some earplugs. Get some earplugs. Clearly, Sansa has not spent enough time in a freshman dorm. Do you think Sansa knows what's happening? She seemed like she knew what was up. Yeah. She seemed like she knew what was up. We'll talk a little bit more about ghosts in a minute, but extremely satisfying extremely really satisfying is. to see Ghost take down that traitorous fuck, Rast, who caged him. And then poured the water out in front of him. You're thirsty. Like, what? What? what is what that? What the fuck? Kind of what is that? Why? Also, there's snow all around. Yeah, so it's like, like, he's like, just going to <laughs> <snow>. What <laughs> are you doing? What are you doing? It's not even like a control. Yeah, come on, guy. Number four. Speaking of Hodor. Bran wargs into Hodor. Hodor breaks free of his chains and snaps Locke's neck like a fucking twig. This is awesome. It's also very sad because Bran's using Hodor basically as a murder weapon. And when Hodor comes out of it, he just looks absolutely distraught. You know, this is like a, you know, it's an invasion really of his mind. And he has no idea how to process what's happening to him. And he looks extremely troubled. This is why... Amongst wargs of Beyond the Wall, warging into a human is expressly forbidden. That's in the books. In the show, warging into a human is essentially impossible. But in the books, the ethics of warging don't warg into a person. Number five, Cersei, when she asks Oberyn to give Marcella a gift, lots of gift given yeah. in this episode. It's it's a ship, right? The finest shipwrights and King's Landing, we've been building this ship for her. The irony, again, a lot of spoilers in this episode. Really? Sorry, guys. Marcella's body is going to come back to Cersei on a ship. Very sad. Number six, Tywin's grudging respect for the Iron Bank. The mm. way he talks about the bank is very similar to the way he talks about legacy. The bank is, in effect, a legacy unto itself, unmoored from needing to inhabit the flesh of any one person or family. And Tywin really appreciates this. 
And finally, number seven, the other amusing part of the exchange between Arya and the Hound <laughs> is later when the Hound wakes up, Arya's, you know, bedroll is it's vacant. Where is she? Did she escape? Oh no, my, my valuable hostage. <laughs> How will I get paid? Well, she's just down there practicing her water dancing, yeah. right? He comes upon her and Footwork he, gr- greatly improved, by the way. She looks, her form is yeah. exceptional. And he, of course, has to make fun of her, right. mocks her mercilessly, right? And she goes on to say, you know, Tells him about Syria and about her her lessons from the greatest swordsman who ever lived, yeah. right? And the hound's like, Marin Trent, the greatest swordsman who ever lived, killed by Marin fucking Trent. <laughs> that's pretty good. Now, he's not wrong. Also, that's part of the reason that I refuse to accept that Syria is dead. Yeah, but it wasn't like Marin Trent. It was like Marin Trent, four other dudes. <laughs> Never stop believing. All right, Don't okay. stop believing. I believe you. All right, Jason. Yes. You will never be free. You what? will never know what that's like. You'll be doing binge mode forever. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but will this episode's champion ever be free? Will he ever know? Each episode, we are honoring the person who played the game, advanced his or her cause in some tangible way. This week... The winner of our champion's purse is... Jon Snow. Johnny Snow. We had to talk our producer into this pick a bit, right? Zach Mack. Mad Axe Mack. (laughs) Zach's got a lot of bad opinions about Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) So, Zach, when we were talking about this, basically said, well, you know... John almost lost this fight to yep. Carl, right? He almost allowed Locke to kidnap his brother, Bram. He also only is up there in the first place basically because he got manipulated by Thorn. Yes and, and no, Slint. but yes. Counterpoints. Yes. Counterpoints sure. all around, right? He dodges the Locke threat even though he doesn't know it. All you gotta get matters, lucky sometimes, guys. Yeah, exactly. All that matters is the result. He eliminates the mutineers. He gets that W. He saves the Night's Watch from Mance going to Craster's, stumbling across the mutineers, learning about the Night's Watch numbers, the exact thing he feared. It doesn't matter that Slint and Thorne sent him there hoping that he would die. Right. It matters that that he won, that he's, he's alive. A, he's a proven warrior now, like a proven man. Right. And then what about the, the fight itself with Carl, right? So he gets stabbed by Carl. Carl spits in his face. Yeah. Carl big, disarms big loo- him. Big loogie, too. <laughs> That's true. Fucking huge. It's been Gross. Drinking a lot of wine, oh. you know. Disarms John. Yeah. You know, the, the old boot on the wrist move. Right. Probably John probably only escapes that moment because one of Craster's daughter wives comes through with the assist. Yep, get, get, you know a little knife and crawls back to distract him. But again, once again, it doesn't matter. It's about the results, right? John won, and he gets major style points for the manner of that death. He yeah. just thrusts, thrusts his sword straight like through the back of Carl's head. Gross. And it comes right out of his mouth. Disgusting. And then of course. John is is reunited with his dire wolf. There's it's a cute. ghost reunion. It's amazing when a ghost just kind of after he's eaten rest. Right. <laughs> like a little snack. Getting kisses from, from ghosts when he's got like human flesh on his lips. And he you know, he comes over and it's John says, Where in seven hells? Yeah. Come here. I missed you, boy. Aww. And they like kind of like sniff each other and they're just like face to face. And it's yeah. just really sweet and beautiful. And then he offers the the women. Safe Harbor at Castle Black. And they're kind of like, I'm good. But 
it's a courageous thing to do because he knows that that would not be accepted. Right. That the people who are waiting for him back there would not be okay with that. Yeah. And yet he makes the offer anyway. Big one for John. Shouts to John. Sorry, Zach. All right, guys. Yeah. Jason and I, and even Hoder, we're only here yeah, to guide you. Right. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us again next time when we will be discussing season four, episode six, The Laws of Gods and Men. Till then, remember. The deed is done. Faded into nothing. Only speaking of it can make it real. (laughs) Peter just thinking about baseball and shit. Manny Machado. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the best moment of my life. The Orioles, I wonder what they're doing now. Doubleheader today. Carcetti might be at that game. Yeah, for sure. Carcetti will be at that game.